This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 22nd, 2015. Blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear. Well, good morning, Connection Church. You are the faithful... Hardy few. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for today. For those who have come, I pray, Lord, that they will be blessed beyond measure by being a part of worship today and hearing your word, hearing scripture, and that we might apply this to our lives. Open us up. It's a tough topic, God, Um, really tough. So uh, settle us in and help us receive. I pray this in your name. Everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Chapter 5 in the book of Matthew, that's the second part of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's all about the ministry of Jesus. We come upon one of the longest teachings that Jesus had in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book called Matthew. It is called the Sermon on the Mount. Absolutely. Because Jesus shared it from a mountain. And so in this um, introduction, Matthew points out that Jesus sat down as he began to teach his disciples. Now, when we were in seminary, I had a professor, and it was an interpretation of the Bible, and He said, two questions you always need to ask uh, when you're reading the scriptures. One is, why is it in there, if whatever it is? And the other is, why isn't it in there, if there's something that seems to be missing? And so, um, in uh, in this case, Matthew tells us that Jesus was seated. The the fact that he points that out, there must be some importance there. In our culture, we generally stand when we're going to teach or preach or to speak publicly, like we're standing right now to offer this message this morning. We stand unless there's some reason to be seated, either illness or injury or something like that. It's quite different culture than the one Jesus was a part of. The, the Jewish rabbi or teacher, which Jesus was, would always sit when officially teaching. It's interesting to note some holdovers in our day from this custom, such as the expression in higher learning, maybe at a college, university, you hear about the professor's chair. Or in the Catholic Church, when the Pope is speaking officially, he is said to speak ex cathedra, which means from the chair. As Bible scholar William Barclay points out, a rabbi might stand or stroll around when simply giving instruction, but, but if it was real official teaching, he would do that from the seated position. By, by telling us, by Matthew telling us that Jesus was seated, he's letting us know that this teaching was official and it was important. Official and important. 
Well, the Sermon on the Mount covers a wide range of topics, and it includes some of Jesus' most well-known thoughts, um, including telling the disciples that they are the salt of the earth, that they are the light of the world, that we are to love our enemies, not to worry about what we will eat or drink or wear. We find in this teaching uh, Jesus' words, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Now verses 3 through 10 of chapter 5, as Carrie shared in the video, are collectively known as the Beatitudes. Beatitude, as she said, means supreme blessedness or happiness. Thus, in these verses, Jesus shares with us the, the circumstances for finding blessings that go above and beyond. It's kind of interesting how these Beatitudes are structured. In each case, and there are eight Beatitudes, we are told that we are blessed <coughs> And then we're told what brings this about. The second part of the statement in each case seems very ironic because in terms of blessing, in fact, it seems like it's kind of an oxymoron, if you will. A statement, you know, the oxymoron is a statement putting two ideas together that seem to contradict one another, like, for instance, jumbo shrimp. Or how about, um, awful good how about civil war or freezer burn what is that about well the list goes on you could probably think of a lot more of those but the beatitudes they all begin with you're blessed when and then it seems like that statement is completed with something that has nothing to do with blessing at all on wednesday night we started this series uh, it was our Ash Wednesday service, and Turner shared with us uh, the first beatitude that we looked at. Will you read it with me? You're blessed when, when you're at the, the end, end of your rope. rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. I don't know about you, but when I'm at the end of my rope, I usually don't feel all that blessed. But in the case of Jesus' teachings, the truth is really quite the opposite of what we think. Because very often when I'm at the end of my rope, it causes me to remember, I should have remembered it on the front, head, that front end, that I am desperate for God. I am desperate for God. And recognizing that and realizing that God is indeed at work is the blessing. That's the blessing. And so today, our focus is on Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, the second of the Beatitudes, and this is what we read. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Again, this seems contradictory to my own experience. Over the years... I've lost what is most dear, and at least at times it did not seem like a blessing. Perhaps your experience is similar. So the question is, what is Jesus talking about here? What does Jesus mean? What is he trying to tell his disciples? What is Jesus trying to tell us? 
What is he hoping that we'll come to understand? Mm. And so just for a point of reference, uh, we're using the uh, version of Scripture, the paraphrase known as the message for this series. But let me, let me offer you uh, the more traditional reading of this beatitude and one you might be a little more familiar with. Uh, say it with me, if you would. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Yeah. Well, in either case, blessed are those who mourn or you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. In order for this statement to make any kind of sense, we need to go beyond our everyday here in this world understanding of our thoughts and our feelings, our reactions, and our emotions. What Jesus offers here is really not practical advice for successful living in this day-to-day world, but rather a picture, a vision, a prophetic declaration, if you will, of what it means to be living a life with God at the center, a life in which we are kingdom-focused rather than here-on-this-earth-focused, a life in which when we are pushed to our limits, like when we lose what is dear to us, we realize that the only place we can turn, the only hope we have, pure and simple, comes from the Lord. And it's only when we can really fully appreciate that, kind of take that in, that we can feel and sense the embrace of God, the embrace that God offers us, especially at those times. And realizing and experiencing that embrace is how we're blessed. Hmm. When, um, when I was 13, one of my best friends died. Suddenly. Very suddenly. And, and, I mean, we were close. His father was our pastor. His mother was like a second mom to me. We'd been friends since he moved in there in Brookside up in Newark. At eight. He was, uh, we were four at the time. When I moved to the other side of town at 10, I would often stay at his house after church, have dinner with him, spend the rest of the day there. We were very, very close friends. You know, it's funny what you remember when something like that happens. Uh, The call came when we were eating dinner. I still remember who called or remember what we were eating. I remember seeing my dad cry for, gosh, only the second time in my life until he got much older. I remember being at the viewing and myself just crying, 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 crying some more. You know, at, at 13, I knew who Jesus was, but I don't remember... seeing this as a blessing or turning to Jesus for comfort. I had lost someone dear to me, and as I said, I certainly didn't consider it, didn't consider myself blessed. Over the years, I've lost a lot of other people who are very dear to me. My aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, my sister, most recently my mother-in-law. I've never been quite as touched, quite as sad, quite as mournful as was I was when my friend Chucky died. And I've wondered why that is. 
Maybe it's because I was younger then. Maybe it's because that loss kind of steeled me up for the ones that came after that. Perhaps. I think maybe it's because as I've gotten closer to Jesus, I've learned where to turn at times like that. I've come to realize where my comfort comes from at times of severe loss. I've come to know deep down in my soul that when I'm at my lowest, when I've lost something or someone who's dear to me, it is then that I'm truly embraced by the one, the only one who is dearest to me. And in that process, I'm able to realize the blessing. We experience a lot of loss. We all do. We experience a lot of loss in addition to a person, or a spouse, a parent, a child, a friend. Losses like this, um, the loss of our health, the loss of tangible things like a job, loss of a title, loss of a bank account, an income, loss of our home, loss of a car, the loss of something from our past, for instance, our innocence. How about our integrity or our sobriety or <laughs> could be our memory? How about this one, the loss of our looks? the loss of our hair, <laughs> the loss of how we once were. You know, we laugh at that, but it's really all loss. It really is. And the realization, especially when we're at this point in our life as, as we're getting older, not younger, the once vibrant woman or a man in the mirror, and then you take a step back and realize this is very sobering that we're closer to the grave than we are to the cradle. That's like, really? Wow. And then there's, and when there's loss, we mourn, especially when it involves the passing of someone. But we mourn other losses as well. And we may not recognize this as mourning, but that's what we do. We mourn. We feel sorrow, we feel remorse, we feel regret for what no longer is. And we look back and we see it and we miss it. We wish it didn't have to change. We, we long for what was. Craig Barnes, we quote him a lot. He's a pastor, he's an author. He wrote the book, When God Interrupts, Finding New Life Through One Un Unwanted Change. He talks a lot about loss. Loss is something that we once held dear and it's been taken away, and we're forced to make a frightening choice. Will we continue to clutch, I mean, can you see that image? Clutch whatever it is we lost, or will we let go and open our hands to receive what God's going to give us in the future? In other words, even though God may not have brought about the loss, are we going to look to God? Look to God to somehow bring about a blessing. Mm 
You know, this, this whole idea of blessing, of, of being blessed, intrigues me. Because if I were to say to you, so-and-so, Jack, let's say, just making up Jack, is so blessed, you would probably get the idea that, that things were really going well for Jack, you know, in his life. You know, great job, great spouse, great kids, great house, great church. You know, he probably gets connection, you know, or whatever. And, and, and on and on and on. Everything great. He's blessed, man. And yet, when I talk to people, and, I, and I've, over, it's one just for this message, I, over the years I've kind of talked to people and asked them, when they were most blessed in their life, oftentimes, in fact, most times, um, <laughs> it, it was a point far from where everything was great. When they, they felt most blessed, more often than not, it was a time when things were terrible, when they were on the downside, if in fact they oftentimes were at the bottom. You know, how in the world is that a blessing? And I've come to find that they were blessed because it was at that point where things were so bad that they had nowhere else to turn, nowhere other than God. It was a point where they realized, thanks to that point, they realized new life in Jesus Christ. It's a point where the Holy Spirit gave them the strength they needed to face a new day. And so they were blessed when they lost what was most dear, or at least what they had thought was most dear. Maybe a loved one. Maybe a relationship, a job, a title, car, house, their health, a stable life. And as a result, they turned to and allowed themselves to be embraced by the one who truly is most dear. Their blessing came not from the things they had or even the ones they loved, but their blessing came from the one who came to give each and every one of us new life, and that's Jesus Christ. Mourning leads to blessing. Usually when it comes with the realization that we live in a broken, sinful world filled with suffering, filled with sickness, filled with pain. We live in a fallen world. We weep and we mourn over our broken condition. We don't understand why, but mourning begins to turn into blessing only when we turn to the one who suffered, the one who suffered and gave up everything so that we would have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. The one who understands our grief better than anyone else can the one who understands what it means to lose what is most dear. We don't know what it is in your life that you hold most dear. We don't know the loss in your life that would cause you great pain, great sorrow. We, we don't know what it is from your past that you've lost, that you're still grieving 
still hurting over, still mourning. But know this. This is for sure and for certain. No matter what it is, God loves you. God loves you. And God grieves when you grieve. And God mourns when you mourn. And God feels your pain because God the Father has been there. He's watched his son hang on the cross and slowly die. He knows what it means to lose what is most dear. But he also knows that the death of his son offers new life to you and to me. Allowing his son to die was the most loving thing God could do for us. That even though he died on the cross, Jesus overcame death and continues to live in you and me, now and forever. When we lose what is most dear, it is God and God alone who can offer comfort to us, true comfort. And so our question for the day is, are you ready and willing to turn to God when you lose what is most dear? Are you ready for the blessing that God offers when we allow God to embrace us in our time of need? That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, it's a challenge. Because often when we lose what's most dear, it's a challenge for us to see the blessing through the tears, through the pain, through the sorrow. And yet, yet we know that our true comfort, our long-lasting comfort, our eternal comfort comes from you. Please help us to recognize the blessing you bring when we um, lose what is most dear. Please help us to know that when we mourn, you bring comfort to our souls. It's in Christ and in the power of your Holy Spirit we pray. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.